Hi, everybody. Welcome to Producing the Beatles, the podcast dedicated to exploring the untold story of producer George Martin's revolutionary collaboration with John, Paul, George, and Ringo. I'm your host, Jason Krupa, and in today's episode, we'll be looking at how George Martin and the Beatles use the technique of VeriSpeed, variable speed recording. VeriSpeed is similar to George Martin's half-speed recording trick, which we discussed in our very first episode. So if you haven't heard that one yet, you might want to go back and check it out before you listen any further to this episode. As we heard in that first episode, Martin used the half-speed recording technique to change the sound of the piano in a variety of ways. But with the introduction of VeriSpeed, which allowed for the adjustment of a recording's pitch and speed in smaller increments, manipulations could be done with greater subtlety. Martin and the Beatles discovered possibilities for manipulating just about every sound. Vocals, guitars, pianos, even entire rhythm tracks of songs. The technology for VeriSpeed had existed at Abbey Road Studios years before the Beatles arrived under the name Frequency Control. It had been invented to compensate for unreliable electrical current, but thanks to EMI technical engineer Ken Townsend, George Martin and the Beatles were able to put this very pragmatic technology to use in very creative ways. The Beatles used VeriSpeed for a number of reasons, such as speeding up a mix to give it more energy, or making a song easier to play in a certain key. But their most dramatic use of VeriSpeed was in altering the textures of sounds in their recordings, which was related in no small part to the altered states of mind they experienced when using the drugs that were very much a part of their lives at this point. Even though George Martin wasn't using drugs, he played an important role in helping the Beatles deploy this technique, and he had his own very musical reasons for using Vera's speed on certain parts he played. Today, we'll look at how George Martin and the Beatles used Vera's speed on a variety of recordings, and we welcome back pianist Jesse Reeks to discuss the musical reason behind some of these decisions on this episode of Producing the Beatles. Starting in the spring of 1966, the Beatles became obsessed with changing every sound on their recordings, an obsession which required George Martin and engineer Jeff Emmerich to come up with creative ideas for almost every song. With these recordings for the Revolver album, and continuing through the sessions for Sgt. Pepper and Magical Mystery Tour in 1967, the Beatles experimented with any and all techniques they encountered, including tape loops, backward recording, and the processing of sounds through a revolving Leslie speaker. VeriSpeed was an important part of these sound-changing experiments. The Beatles used VeriSpeed for the first time just eight days into the Revolver sessions on April 14th. Fully aware of the sound of half-speed recording from the In My Life solo and the tape loops on Tomorrow Never Knows, Paul initially asked to record backing vocals for Paperback Writer at half-speed. They found, though, that their vocals sounded far too high-pitched when they returned the tape to normal speed. So they next experimented with recording the vocals at about a quarter speed, and when Martin slowed the tape down to this speed, they would have heard something like this when the track played back. (laughs) 
heavy sound of that slowed down rhythm track must have made an impression, because once they finished off Paperback Writer, they decided to try this new technique on the rhythm track of the next song in line for recording. John wrote Rain in the key of G, which took advantage of the chiming open strings in the guitar chords. In order to use Verispeed while still keeping the song in that key and still maintain the sound of those chord shapes, the Beatles capoed their guitars on the second fret, putting them in the key of A. They also played the rhythm track quite a bit faster. The result, when slowed down, was a track still approximately in the key of G, but now with a thicker texture. I said approximately just now, because if you've ever tried to play along with rain on an instrument tuned to standard pitch, you'll have discovered pretty quickly that the recording as released plays back a bit flat. This is very likely because Martin and the Beatles were adjusting the tape speed by ear until the texture sounded right to them, not to a specific predetermined pitch. Once they discovered this technique, it became one of the Beatles' favorites in a growing new bag of production tricks. In all, 10 of the songs recorded during the Revolver sessions featured Verispeed on one and often more than one of the tracks. In many cases, they recorded the rhythm track just as they had on Rain, faster and in a higher key, then slowed it down for overdubs and final mixing. They applied this formula to I'm Only Sleeping as well. The Beatles recorded their rhythm track with the tape machine running two full semitones faster than standard pitch. Then, to overdub John's vocal, they slowed the tape down. Way down, in fact. This is what John would have heard in his headphones. Then he overdubbed his vocal. Everybody seems to think I'm lazy. I don't mind. I think they're crazy. Running everywhere at such a speed. For the final mix, they sped the recording back up a little, putting John's vocal slightly higher than recorded, while the rhythm track itself ended up nearly three semitones lower in pitch and speed than originally recorded. So here's the rhythm track they started with. And here's the final mix is heard on Revolver. Again, we're in the cracks here between the keys, not exactly B major and not exactly B flat. Being in the cracks like this is okay for vocals because singers can adjust their pitch relative to the backing they're singing with. Certain overdubs, though, have to be done at a specific pitch. When overdubbing a piano or other keyboard instrument where the tuning is fixed, the pitch must be exactly right or the tracks will sound out of tune. We can do all of this today very easily on the computer, but in 1966, the frequency control system used for varying pitch was based on electrical current with a baseline of 50 hertz or cycles. To change the pitch of a recording meant physically changing the speed of the tape, 
which required changing the frequency of the electrical current running the machine. And to get a specific pitch required precision. For instance, to lower a recording by one semitone, they would change the frequency from 50 cycles to 47 cycles. Same for if they wanted to move the pitch upward. They would change the frequency from 50 cycles to 53 cycles. George Martin was particularly skilled at calculating these values. In grade school, he'd shown an aptitude for mathematics, and during World War II, he'd been an observer in the fleet air arm where his math skills were considered extremely useful. Building off his half-speed technique for changing the sound of the piano, Martin, now with Verispeed at his disposal, could create keyboard parts with more subtle effects. Rather than a full octave, or 12 semitones, Martin could slow the tape to a fraction of that, one or two or three or four semitones. This is what Martin did for the solo on Good Day Sunshine. The finished recording plays back in the key of B major. But to record his piano solo, George Martin slowed the tape down. And when they played the tape back in B major, it sounded like this. If you're familiar with Mark Lewison's groundbreaking work on the Beatles' recording sessions, which is one of the foundations of this podcast, you'll see that he lists the solo of Good Day Sunshine as being played with the tape running faster, at 56 cycles, which means it would sound slowed down when played back at normal speed. We can hear that this is incorrect, however, since the solo very clearly sounds sped up in the final mix. Recording Sessions is pretty solid for this period, so this mistake may just have been a transcription error by one of the engineers on the recording session. Whatever the case, we don't know for certain what Verispeed setting George Martin used when recording this solo. In the example we just played, I slowed it down to the key of G, where it sounds natural to my ears, but I have to admit, that's just an educated guess. What we can do, with a little more certainty, is get closer to understanding why Martin recorded the solo this way. To do this, I spoke once more with pianist Jesse Reeks. Jesse was such a big help in our first episode that I thought he could give us some insight here, too. So why do this? Why record the solo this way? Martin could easily have played this in B major or any key he wanted, right? Yeah, I think rather than a necessity, they could have done that to make the tremolo have that very unique sound of being sped up because you have two instances of tremolos in the solo. So yeah, this is something that we've seen George use before, for example, on the In My Life solo, where he's playing in a lower key and then speeding up to achieve an effect. In the other one, it was these very fast Baroque ornaments like a mordant or a trill. And in this one, it's the boogie-woogie tremolo. So in both cases, they're artificially speeded up. It becomes a little more playful, maybe. In fact, this honky-tonk sound becomes something of a running thread with George Martin's piano solos in the second half of the Beatles' career from 1966 to 69. In 1968, Martin played the piano solo for Rocky Raccoon at half speed to get that old-timey sound. 
And as we discussed in episode one, in 1969, he did the same thing for You Never Give Me Your Money. But those are both half-speed recordings. The next time Martin used Verispeed for a piano solo after Good Day Sunshine was in 1967 during the Sgt. Pepper sessions on Lovely Rita. Lovely Rita was recorded in the key of E major, a great guitar key for strumming, though the final mix would be very speeded down to almost E flat. But neither of those keys would work for George Martin's piano solo. For that, he slowed the tape down until the song was playing in the key of C. Again, the question is why? Why record this solo in C if George Martin was perfectly capable of playing it in E or E-flat? As Jesse explains, it was once again to achieve a specific effect. I think the main piece of evidence that's pretty much irrefutable is the presence of a few glissandos in the piece, both at the end of the piano solo and at the end of the track itself. A glissando is a technique on the piano or other instruments, but On the piano, it's you slide your fingers across the keys, either up or down, and it's usually just the white keys. So it sounds like this, or. So if you're in C major, you can make a glissando and have every note be within the key. However, if you're in something like E flat, a glissando would clash a little bit, like. And it would be impossible to achieve the same effect using white and black notes, like doesn't quite sound the same as I think that's a pretty big marker that is recorded in C major. After that keyboard overdub, they didn't return the song to the key of E major, but just slightly slower, somewhere between E major and E flat. If you play guitar, you'll know that E-flat isn't really a natural key for the instrument, but the Beatles had decided that this speed and pitch fit the sound of the song, a more intuitive adjustment. By contrast, Martin's piano overdub was a more precise use of Verispeed. So we have in the space of one song an example of the Beatles' intuitive musical approach mixed with Martin's more precise technical approach. That's not to suggest that George Martin only cared about technical precision with Verispeed. As Ken Townsend told the authors of Recording the Beatles, quote, George Martin was very keen on running tape machines at different speeds for different reasons. George used to talk in terms of semitones and half-semitones. He did that a lot, actually, end quote. One example of this range of different speeds is Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds. There are two tracks of vocals on the song, and one of those tracks was recorded with the tape machine running only a little slower, about half a semitone. Picture yourself in a boat on a river with tangerine trees and marmalade skies. When sped back up, other than pitch, there isn't a very big change in terms of texture. Picture yourself in a boat on a river with tangerine trees and marmalade skies. But for the other track, 
the Beatles had Martin slow the tape down to 45 cycles, which is about a semitone and a half difference in pitch. Here's the track as John recorded it. Cellophane flowers of yellow and green Towering over your head And here it is at the speed it appears in the final recording. Cellophane flowers of yellow and green Towering over your head And then, by overlapping those two vocal tracks at certain points, they created still another texture. Somebody calls you, you answer quite slowly A girl with kaleidoscope A total of nine songs recorded during the Pepper Sessions, including Strawberry Fields and Penny Lane, feature Verispeed in some form or another. But by the next year, 1968, the Beatles used Verispeed far less than they had the previous two years. They might have sped up a whole recording by a tone or a semitone, but for the most part, they laid off the manipulation of individual tracks. One dramatic exception to this are the backing vocals on Obladi Oblada, which were recorded at 42 cycles, a full three semitones lower in pitch. And then as they appear on the album. When isolated, this seems like an extreme change, but in the full mix of the song, it hardly registers. The myth of 1968 and the White Album is that there was far less production than the year before. But in reality, the Beatles were still just as ambitious and their recordings were just as layered. They would speed up the rhythm tracks of the Revolution single and Back in the USSR to give the songs more kick, just as they had done on When I'm 64. But overall, they dropped Verispeed as a means of creating surreal, phantasmagoric textures. Verispeed was a particularly useful tool for changing sounds in ways that reflected the Beatles' psychedelic experiences. But once they began to outgrow those experiences, they sidelined this technique in favor of a more straightforward sound. Thanks for listening. Producing the Beatles is written, directed, edited, and produced by me, Jason Krupa. Thanks again to Jesse Reeks for his insights at the keyboard and to Diana Riley for the use of her piano. As always, a big thank you to Steve Benson for the track isolations of Good Day Sunshine, Obladi Oblada, and Rocky Raccoon. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at PT Beatles, and for more information, including show notes and references, be sure to visit our website, producingthebeatles.com. You can also find our email there if you have questions or comments. If you enjoy the podcast, remember to rate us on iTunes and let everyone know about us every way you can. And to make sure you don't miss an episode, subscribe to us using your favorite podcast platform.